Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Our kids have said to us since we moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community and of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See what makes Minnesota the star of the North. New residents share why they love calling it home at exploreminnesota.com slash live. Here is the Crescendo Music Education Podcast, episode number 60. There's something magical about those big multiples of 10, that zero at the end. I don't know. It's exciting. 60. And here is part two of my chat with John Colwell. You'll hear his nuggets of fabulous. And if you're anything like me, you'll start to question some of the things that you automatically do in your music classroom. I love things that make me think, make me question. We should continually be reflecting and improving upon our practice. We are lifelong learners and I love that John Colwell is a lifelong learner and I think we've got things to learn from him. So settle back, enjoy part two of my talk with John Colwell. Okay guys, like Geza Silboy is so keen in the world of European music, German music, to abolish the use of the letter H for B natural, and hopefully he can do that. I'm on my hobby horse. We should never talk about the treble clef. There is no such thing as the treble clef, and there is no such thing as the bass clef. Oh, goodness. Okay. Oh, goodness. This is this is an earthquake. I live in the land yeah. of earthquakes. A clef is a key, and a key cannot lock, unlock a treble. And it cannot unlock a bass. The word clef is the French word, C-L-E-F. The English who hate the French have adopted that word in their music as they have crotchet, and that's wrong because croche is actually not a quaver. It's a quaver with a hook on it. Anyway, so a clef is a key, and a key has to unlock something. So unless you've locked up your little boys and little girls, you should not be saying treble clef. You should say G clef. And I'll shoot you a little um, uh, reference to this from the music, uh, Oxford uh, Dictionary of Music. The clefts were placed on the staff to show where certain letters were. And initially, Mm -hmm. they showed where C was with a letter C, and they showed where F is with a modified C clef with a bar on it, and it showed where bass F is and middle C is for tenors. And then later on, when they 
started to sing in the medieval church in three parts. The boys were singing the top, the descant. Des is on top of the cant, the song. Their part was called the treble part. And why was it called the treble part? Because it was tripartite. There was a bass, there was the tenor, which held the note, and then there was the contratenor, which eventually became the higher boys. The three parts, that's where we get the word treble for. But the cleft that they used started off as a running writing lowercase g, and it unlocked g. You are so confusing kids talking about treble cliff. If you went, it's a G clef and an locks G, you will know exactly on the staff where G is. And you can put the G on any line and it will clef and it will be still G because when you look at a score written by Beethoven uh, for Fidelio, the mezzo-soprano part is written with a mezzo-soprano clef, which is the G clef on the middle line. If you go back and play the violin music of Couperin and Lully and Italian composers, they are using violin clefs, G clef, on different lines. The Italian way was to put it on on one line and the French way was to put it on, one was on the bottom line and one was on the second line. There's a baritone cliff, there's an alto cliff uh, using a C cliff, but if we know it's the C cliff, it doesn't matter whether it's a tenor cliff or an alto cliff. We just just think where C is and work out musicians aren't very bright. They just have to be able to say they're musicians backwards and forwards. (laughs) (laughs) And all that stuff with mnemonics, EGBDF, I don't know how to read the bass clef. We can't use that word. Bass staff. So I use the word staff now. This is your bass staff because the F clef is on the second top line. This is your treble staff because the G cliff is on the second bottom line. Can't you see some symmetry sitting around middle C? Oh, you know, and off we go. And so you learn the grand panoply of the grand staff as a symmetrical thing in the sermon. I'm so passionate about that. Wow. No, I'm glad you shared. No, that's fabulous. I just rock the boat? Yeah, that's good. We like some good old boat rocking but it's good it's good to consider all of the things that we just do in our work and why we do them and could we do them better and what informed me debbie is history 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 if i go back and look at the history of notation not the history of music well that gave me the idea what is so i had one bright little boy one day it wasn't bright i was teaching him the rudiments of music notation he said so you know what all these things are why is the treble staff called the treble staff doesn't it mean three and i mean of course it means three if you have a bet on the treble at the race course you're betting on three horse races i went yes so Okay, so I had to look it up. Why is it called treble? Boom. It's about the three-part motets, and off we go. you got to know where all of this came from. That, wow, okay. I floored you. Sorry, Debbie. No, that is is very interesting, and it it makes me, uh, it just makes me think about what the words that I use and how I teach children about that but you know a lot of what you've said going back 
to a little bit before you hopped right on the horse. The philosophy of hearing first, that's to me central to my yes. philosophy and Kodai's philosophy. It's always here first. And Sound I think, before symbol. As, absolutely, as, um, definitely. So I think that, that what you're saying about the sound coming first, we we all know that that's just good practice, but it's not the way that's often done when you're learning piano. I don't know when I learned piano, which I know is when the dinosaurs roamed the earth. Yes, it was, there's a black dot on a page and that means you put that finger there. And, you know, I had no connection to the oral stuff at all when I was a child. And then when I was an adult at 25, I went, I've ended up being a music teacher. Oh my goodness, I might just start Oh, it was maybe a bit earlier than 25, but it was in my 20s. I thought I'd, oh, I might just do some piano exams or something. And I went back to piano because I didn't do exams. Yes. It was like two weeks before the exam. And I opted to do Trinity exams at the time. Okay. I just thought yes. I, I was advised yes. by someone to do it. Yes. And I was told two weeks before, oh, there's an oral component, by the way. You no have training. to identify. No preparation. You know, at and this was, I think I started with grade five because I had been learning yes. but never done an so exam. Oh, you'll need to know these. Yes. Yeah, all this stuff. You'll be able, you need to sing back these melodies. You need to know major, minor, augmented, diminished chords. You need to know no. blah, blah, blah. This is like two weeks before the test. But I had been doing musicianship with Judy Johnson every Tuesday night for years because I'd found this Kodai approach and gone, this makes sense. This makes sense. I want to learn how to do this. So luckily that could pop in my head when the examiner went, what's this chord? I could go, tell me something, one, it's a major. (laughs) You know, like, so sound has to come first. You can't just assume the sound is done and the way that piano is traditionally taught is about I think the way you talk about it that it's skipping your ear it's going straight from absolutely, your absolutely. your your eyes through your brain somehow and into your fingers yes and then yeah. there are these clever kids who make innate connections for some reason this is what I'm still trying to find out how these clever kids get this information that I missed out on. So this very me, very clever man uh, who just blitzed school because it was easy for me with my dad, found himself going, oh, actually, I said to myself, studying medicine is too easy. I want to go and do something that's way harder. And it was something I couldn't easily do, which was orally define my love of music and go from my ear to my page or whatever. You know, it was, this is my life's quest to crack the code that some people just do spontaneously. Oh, it's so fascinating. And I'm not dismissing your hobby horse. I'm still thinking in the back of my mind. That's I'm okay. You don't have to dismiss it. Please digest it. Oh, and, digest. And I think that's fabulous. There and... are years of teaching, but but often that teaching is about shortcuts. We teach um, EGBDF as a shortcut mm. without knowing that it's actually 
the letters, first seven letters of the alphabet. And who used the alphabet to define notes? Uh, pictures that goes back to the Greeks, long time before that. And and so we use uto, re, mi, fa, sol, la, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la. And then later on, see who devised that, Pierre Galin. Uh, no, no, sorry, um, Guido of Arezzo. And then we know about Tar and Titi or Tar and Tefa Tefa and who devised that? Pierre Galin in, in France uh, early on in the after the French Revolution. And so there are these Paris Chevre time names, Paris Chevre time names that we all just go, oh yes, Tar Tefa Tefa, Tika Tika, Tiri Tiri, you know, there are so many variations on them. They're all just tools. Yes. Red, blue, tools. red, gold, red, blue is just a tool. It's just a tool. It's somehow then some people come along and go, I need to examine this. We should never have piano exams. We should never have music exams. You can't examine an art form. It's far too individual. That's another hobby horse. But then there are, you know, you have to define these things and it's just all blows out of perspective, my perspective anyway. You are so interesting to listen to, Mr. John. But I'm going to thank you, Debbie. Back. To my little outline, because <laughs> I want to get to the nuggets of fabulous. Okay. Because I know there are people out there listening to you going, oh, I wonder what his nuggets of fabulous. Mind you, I reckon we've already shared one with our yeah. alphabet song, because that nugget yes. of fabulous is just, it's just amazing. It makes the kids laugh. It makes them just know, oh, we only go up to G in the music alphabet, you know, and it's fun. Um, and, and it is a nugget of fabulous because it's all over the piano and then you start manipulating that. Yeah. And and it comes from the alphabet, what you know. Whereas every piano tutor starts with C and you go, well, two black notes C, where did that come from? Well, yeah. and if you've got green, gold, hey, is in between green and gold. It doesn't work in New Zealand, but green and gold are the Olympic uh, colours for the Aussie team. Yeah. And so A for Australia lives in between green and gold and off you go. The oh, kids... and was it, I think it was you I got D in the doghouse. Oh, yes. Uh, that's one of my favourites, D in oh, the I love it. And, and I told you the other one. And my kids, I don't do a lot of keyboard stuff because, you know, I've just got the piano sure. there. But we relate things to keyboards sometimes. So D in the doghouse, can you find all the Ds in the doghouse? And I use the hand staff a lot yes. these days, yes. which is just so powerful. <laughs> We've just done dangly D. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> dangly the doggies D. do. <laughs> I never oh, forget Dangly D. Oh, I like Dangly D. I haven't like thought Dangly that. D. Oh, good. Yeah. I've got something to play with today. Okay. So but anyway. Back. Who, who lives outside the doghouse? C for cat. Why does E for elephant live where it is? Because it's far too big for the doghouse. I don't oh. stop. I don't stop, Debbie. It's crazy. Oh, we need to we need to get all this goodness out of your head. So you we, we do. need to share it with more people. Okay. Nuggets are fabulous. Let's go back. Nuggets. Nuggets are fabulous. Okay. For me, working out the scale degrees are so more much more powerful than finger numbers. Finger numbers, as I referred to there, they just hold you back. The other recent nugget of fabulous for me is only of interest to piano players. I think I freed up a locked up technique that came from independent figures a la list and lots of piano methods. And I found the work of Dorothy Taubman. 
courtesy of Therese Milanovic, who came to that first workshop that I presented for Judy at summer school. And Therese was so locked in her arms back in 2004. And now 20 years later, she's a, a renowned expert, a renowned teacher in the Taubman approach to playing piano. It's a bit like the Cordae approach to playing piano. It's not a method. It's an approach. And as Cotty I said back in 1982 or three, there's no such a thing as the Kodai method. There's an approach. Mm -hmm. There's a concept. And the implementation of that concept, those precepts, depends upon the integrity of the musician presenting. So we always have a responsibility to keep on improving those skills and keep on being aware that we don't know everything and there's so much more to learn. The other negative fabulous applies to piano teaching and it's like for years, centuries, we've taught figured bass, but it's sort of an add-on. But if you figure from the bass note in the music that you're playing, the intervallic relationships in the chord that you're playing, all of a sudden my brain goes, oh, I understand this beyond what I did when I understood it as a C major triad in second inversion. If I think it's a G with a six and a four over it and then distribute that over the piano, that's been a recent nugget of fabulous. Another nugget of fabulous is Murray Pariah, great great concert pianist saying most piano players are really lazy they don't understand what they're playing or the context or the concepts of what they're playing jazz musicians know it's a mixolydian scale over a g7 chord jazz musicians are defining all the time and so then i asked myself well so where does schubert and chopin and all these people know their stuff for, you know, for example, Schubert and Beethoven, those guys, they were all singing in church. And those days there weren't any Xerox machines. They had to write it all out. They had to copy by hand what they were singing. And they were learning the singers trebles, seven years old, alongside experience, 13-year-old trebles or however long because voices didn't change much later on. And they were learning figured bass. It was a part of the process and we've thrown it out, except when we get to university and people go, oh, I don't need to study that anymore. We need all of these things that historically informed the musicians that we look up to, or I look up to and go, yes, there's a blend between all of these things. Love it. They are definitely nuggets of fabulous, John. That's amazing. They don't necessarily work in a, in a beginner's piano lesson, but they inform lots of things that I do beyond there. couple more things before we go. This has been an amazing chat. But Thank you. I would like to, first of all, maybe talk to you about, if it's easy for you, to maybe give our listeners a small list of some of the books and resources you've talked about because some people might like to go and search some of those. So that would be lovely if. Okay, can I compile that and send it to you and then you yes. can include it as a chat and I'll do all the footnoting and the referencing. And oh, it, it doesn't have to be. There's so many 
There are so many excerpts that I would like to share with you. Look, I just think one book called Yeah. uh, My mind's racing. So no, no, many. let's I'll, let's I'll put something in the show notes. That's what I'm thinking. People show can notes. find Brilliant. the show notes. Go to crescendo.com.au podcasts, find this episode, and we'll just put in a couple of readings if people want to go and read further on some of these. Sure. I just sure. think that would be lovely. And I also think we should have book in another podcast time and you can tell us all about your published piano sure. method called is it just called piano play no it's just called piano play and it's it is, called piano yes. play because we play the piano I, we don't struggle at the piano we play piano and, <laughs> and, and when i used to lecture at university of queensland i do workshops there and i say so what do you do when you pick up your violin Oh, 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 i play oh, no, no, no. take them ages to work out it's play some very clever kids worked out it's play but they practice practice you know sit exams it's yeah. play it's all about play yes oh well a, a little about, you're a great player <laughs> i like turning things into little rhymes and stuff you know, to help yeah. kids remember, you know, it's just those things. And I have a little thing that I say to our instrumental kids at school, and it's just the Mrs. O'Shea quote, which is, have a little play every single day. That's my, <laughs> my little quote because I, I so try to avoid. Have a piano play every single day. Every it's single day. About, yeah, thank you, because Jenny. it's about playing. I, I, I'm not saying don't use the word practice, but I'm just saying the word play just has nicer connotations, doesn't it? Yes. When the kids come in, I'll say to them, what did you play this week or what did you work on? And the parents go, oh, Johnny didn't do much practice. I said, no, practice is dirty work. We don't talk about practice. It becomes a a wedge between parent and child. Yes, it can, can't it? So, yes, let's use the word. Let's have a podcast about piano play soon but there's two more things i'd like to ask you about now at a time when we as music educators have to fight even harder for the existence of our profession some places it's worse than others i know but we are all having to be advocates for what we do what advice would you give us any of our listeners around advocacy, whether they're classroom teachers, studio teachers, high school, primary, any general advice around advocacy? Be passionate, mm-hmm. pick your target, and your best target is your parents or the parents of the children if when you can access them, and that's easy for me, and make sure that they understand your approach. Say that The way we teach, the way I teach through Kodai concepts is not the way that they necessarily understood at school, but they should come and sit in the classroom sometime. Or they should be the five-year-old and see how clever your class of five-year-olds is, Debbie. And so many times I get, I have, the biggest difficulty I have as a studio piano teacher is with the parents. I don't have difficulty with the children. I have difficulty with the parents who don't understand <laughs> that it's called play. <laughs> and yes, yes, and I think that many teachers listening to you right now are nodding their heads going, yes, yes, sometimes the parents are the biggest problem. 
And I recall with my, when I had little do-re-mi classes, my little kids' classes, yes. a parent coming up to me after a year saying, yes. I really like coming and, you know, we love coming here, but, like, when are we actually going to learn some music? And I thought I actually rethought things then, and I remember speaking to my husband about it, who was very logical. Good on you, Kel. Thank you, Kelvin. He was great. But I realised I had a purpose for every single thing I did, and I know I'm doing what's appropriate for them, but the parents who were in the room didn't. So I tried to add little bits while we're making the circle or whatever. I would just say something to the parents about why we're doing it, you know. So I would slip in little bits of information because they just thought this is fun, yes, but they didn't realise we're actually learning or why we were doing things. So So that's why why Bluey... TV series is so successful. And there was a blog on, an article on ABC News. I, I can't get out of Australia. ABC is such a great, and and the, the creators of Bluey are saying, we always make sure we are targeting the adults with jokes and asides and comments that are adult appropriate. And at the same time, the kids get hooked in way to go i could not agree more and when you think when i think back to when i used to watch play school with my two children oh there there were often little things said for adults in fact sometimes i'd think oh how did they get away with <laughs> slipping that one in who was it was it john we couldn't only hazelhurst and no no and yeah. yes they would it say things you'd go beautiful. oh exactly but, they know you're stuck there with them. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 it's about the parent-child relationship. If you don't have the parents on board, you you're really struggling. And uh, there's a lot of struggle out there at present. Yes. Great advice. Thank you. And we're going to finish. Now, this is actually going to be interesting what you're going to say here, because you obviously feel very passionate about what you do. You have done a lot of research and learning in your career so I'm not sure exactly I think I know where you're going to go for your soapbox because I like to finish with you telling the world something that's really important something that's important for you to say so I'd love you to get on your soapbox and give a message to the world and then we will say farewell for this lovely episode oh dear my soapbox. Uh, make sure you look after your physicality. Make sure that as a teacher, you are feeding your soul. It's not just about your kids. If as a parent and if as a teacher, you can't give yourself refreshment time, you are struggling to towards burnout. And I'm my other soapbox is, I'm going to be very controversial here, is that all of the repertoire that we get the kids to sing in their child voice is actually damaging our adult's voice and we should pitch it all lower, end of sermons. Oh, okay. <laughs> we're, well, we're going to have to explore that further. We'll have we to do it, another episode on that. because I We are, Debbie, because I think and I hear so many teachers with corrupted voices and larynxes that don't function efficiently because... We have this misguided concept about the child's voice. Oh, okay. You've 
you have left us with controversy. Look, Mr. John. Sorry, yeah, darling. Sorry. No, that's all but right. It's and, been and a not... soapbox for a moment for ages, but nobody wants to hear that one. Oh, well, we need to hear more about that. And I should explain to the listeners too, I call you Mr. John sometimes because you tend to get your students to call you Mr. John. John. And the reason I'm Mr. John is my dad was Mr. Colwell at school for all my childhood. So I can't be Mr. Colwell. I have to be Mr. John. And Mr. Cole Will is such a mouthful for little children. So Mr. John is a great way to keep an honorific. Um, and Mr. is nice. I'm often Miss John. <laughs> Little kids <laughs> blow a primary call Miss John. They go, Ooh, I said, I don't mind. I'll, I'll be, be whatever John. you want. Yes. Absolutely. Especially these days, gender's totally fluid. <laughs> yes. Exactly. There you go. Oh, yes. It, Thank this you, has Debbie. been a complete delight, John. Happy editing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not going to do much editing. That's the joy oh, of the go. Crescendo Music Education Podcast. You're going to get it raw and real. It's raw and real in at the coalface. Well done, Debbie. <laughs> Congratulations to you and everybody who works so hard. I salute you. I honour you. Thank you. Thank you, John. Until next time. Bye. I appreciate you and all of my colleagues and hope this episode has been enjoyable and useful. Don't forget you'll find the show notes on crescendo.com.au. I'd love a share, rate or review to help other music educators find this podcast. All I can be is the best version of me. All you can do is be the best you. Until next time, bye. As we know, laughter relieves stress. Don't lose sight of the funny side of life. I'm in need of advice if you can help me here. I've been offered eight legs of venison for $40. Is that too dear? <laughs> it's awful. <laughs>